hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only podcast where if before surgery you couldn't, instead of not being able to eat that day, you couldn't funk that day, we would never actually have to change anything because we're always not funkin'. We're exclusively munkin'. I'm your coach, Jay Christie. Joining always by Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? You know, as, J- uh, as Anthony Canton would say, that uh, we are strictly funkin' and we're not munkin' at all. Yeah, that was really disrespectful. We did an episode we, uh, for the Marvel's podcast to do we, on the Patreon. Andre came on to uh, talk about Mission Impossible 1. And um, Anthony, my co-host, tr- just truly reversed the, the, the title of the show, which... That's fine if that if every single episode didn't start off with. Of course, he doesn't listen because he doesn't watch Monk. But still, the whole yeah, conceit yeah, yeah. is that we do one thing in the. I, don't know. I mean, that's the name of the podcast. I mean, anyway, yeah. you cut it. It's it's all, it's okay. I love AC, but uh, we're not here to talk about him. Um, great guy, but we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about a milestone. We're here to talk about Mr. Monk's hundredth case. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that means that it's our 100th episode. I mean, technically not to be the interview with Andy Breckman, but it's our 100th episode. Who cares if it's accurate or not? Um, you know, I was thinking about that when I was watching. I'm like, oh shit, this is our 100th episode. But then I was like, wait, did we talk about an episode with Andy Breckman? But no, it was just a separate. No. It's it, it's all good, though. This is our 100th episode as far well, as I'm concerned. Well, same thing, same thing with with uh, with Jason and... Um, no, Jason Ray Stanford, we did that with Mr. Monk, the dentist. We did those as well. And Trailer? And trailer we did as with Mr. Monkey the Red Herring. So it was just Andy Breckman. Uh, okay, okay, all right. One, 101 yeah. Dalmatians, 101 episodes. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why I said exactly. That just... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Mr. Monkey's Hunter's Case. And this is a, like a special episode. It's done differently. How did you feel about the way that it was presented? Um, I liked it a lot, actually. It was like a nice, um, nice change-up. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think... I think the episode before this was the first good one in, like, maybe four or five. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. I think that the seventh season is the weakest season among. I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say. And uh, I also think the sixth season's weak and consistent. I think that four and five are probably my favorite seasons. And then eight, I remember... I haven't seen most of eight in a while, because, once again, I didn't watch it on reruns. Because most of of my Monk rewatching time was while Monk was still on. So, obviously... Eight wasn't something I saw a lot in reruns. But I remember thinking at the time it was a return to form, and so that's nice. But anyway, I'll say this. The finale is fucking great. The finale of Monk is great. Like, I, I it's, it, it might be the best episode of the show, which is really awesome. But anyway. Save the um, best for last. Exactly. But I like this because it's a change of pace, and I think it's done really well. And it's simultaneously, it's not... Because so many times in a show will do like um out of nowhere, like, reflective documentary type thing. Like, there's the, the worst episode of The West Wing is this episode called Access, which I've only seen once because it's so bad I don't, I've never rewatched it. And I've rewatched a lot of bad episodes of The West Wing. Because the problem with it is just, like, it's exclusively just, like, the retrospective documentary bits. There's no active thing happening in the episode, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, whereas this, there's a case actively going on, and then they intersperse it with looking back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, it's a, I mean, the whole thing. It's a part of the whole story. So, um, mm-hmm. I actually really like the way that it pays off in the end. Um, it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. Even like the actress part was pretty funny to me. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that this. It's this is a really cool episode. But anyway, we start off in focus is the name of the show, which um, in in Monk, where I think a lot of the fake names for stuff don't work. I think in focus is a great name for a fake <laughs> TV show like this. Yeah, and it's hosted by your boy Eric McCormack. Yes, who definitely, I think, is perfectly cast in this. He completely nails, I think he, yeah, I just believe, I believe that he simultaneously is the host of a show like this and would 100% kill a mistress. Where is Eric McCormack from again? Like, where, is, where did he make his bones? Oh, Will and Grace, what are you talking about? Okay, was he, the, okay, that was him and Will and Grace. He was the okay. titular Will. Yeah, I feel like there's another guy that looks like Eric or Eric McCormack, and I just I can't I can't put my finger on who it is. I can't. I don't know. You'd have to tell me who. I'm bad at um, naming who actors and actresses look like, and this is uh, definitely a humble brag, but it's just like because I never confuse anyone. I just know who they are based on because I'm just me. So just never. I can't really tell you, but um, yeah. Uh, Eric McCormack. Okay, he he kind of looks like uh, that one dude that's always like a bad guy in like the '90s movies, Taylor something. Taylor. Um. Uh, do you know any of the movies that he's in? Oh man, no, I don't. Fuck it. Like I'll figure it out. It's some like Cuban guy, I think. Some Cuban guy. 
Yeah, I think, oh man, this is going to drive me insane. Um, forget it. Let's just move on. Okay, okay. But anyway, he's introducing, they're basically, they're doing an episode, in focus doing an episode about Monk's 100th case. He calls him a mass of contradictions who solved an astonishing 99 cases. And apparently this is a serial killer case. And this is really, I think, I think the first time we have a legitimate serial killer that's not, like obviously Mr. Rogan, the 12th man, is a serial killer, but he's not this typical serial killer in that it's all, there's actually a motive as opposed to just like being a crazy person. Yeah, um, yeah, so I was very excited when I saw this. Um, for a second, I thought that it was like going to be too obviously a serial killer, so I thought they were actually, it was going to end up being like, it was three different people all together. Um, yeah. So I was actually glad they stuck to there's it. A little, yeah, there's a little fake out. You don't, you don't know what the thing that is making Monk uneasy the whole time, which I think is fun. That it's not like obvious, that it's like, oh, it's clearly not going to be this guy. Um, that you, you're kind of... The tw- you don't see the twist coming. At least, I mean, obviously in like the last 10 minutes you kind of do, but from the beginning, you don't see the twist coming that like, you know, one of the murderers was, one of the murderers wasn't actually the serial killer. But anyway, right. we cut out and it's a watch party happening at uh, James Novak, which is um, Eric McCormick's name in the show, his house. And Stalmer, of course, switches over some basketball, which this bat. I understand they probably had rights issues, but this basketball looks like it was recorded in 1993. Like, it is a horrible quality. Yeah, I thought it was, like, the Houston Rockets finals against, like, uh, I don't even remember. That's what, what it looks like. like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand that licenses are expensive and you can't pay for it. I don't really know what the solution is, but, like, this isn't it. It's just every time the show is like, this is clearly 1992. Like, what do you... Meanwhile, meanwhile, the San Jose Sharks, you know, gave it up for free, basically. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think they gave it up for I mean, they might have given up for free. I mean, all press is good press, and the San Jose Sharks. Anyway. Exactly. I mean, it's hockey. I mean, let's be real. It's hockey, exactly. Um, and uh, so Natalie, of course, gets mad at uh, Stavmeyer for changing the channel. Understandable. People who change the channel during commercials I is fine, but it's also like, you're not psychic. You don't know when the commercial's going to end. Yeah, and it's like if you're, you know, if you're just watching, like, what, Law & Order SVU, then okay, fine. Yeah. But uh, you're watching, like, Monk's big, uh, his big There's uh, 30 break. people in this house for this. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, you know, I thought it was actually very interesting that Novak would have them all over at his house. Like, I thought mm-hmm. it would just have, have it, like, in a screening room at the studio yeah. or something. Yeah, it definitely is weird. But we learn also that James is talking to his wife, who we can just tell they don't get along at all. Um, and, uh... He apparently didn't get the good wine, which is not relevant, but I wrote a note, so I'm going to say it. And so we meet, we, he starts talking to Disher, who um, he introduces his new girlfriend, uh, Jillian. This guy, man, just just taking him, talking about a serial killer, like, this guy is killing the ladies all over San Francisco. Exactly. Um, he And how did he meet uh, her? Oh, fuck, I... I, I don't know. Did she was one of the react. She was the real Oh, reactors. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. She's apparently the queen of reenactments, and at Randy's prodding, she uh, recreates being stabbed, which, I'll be honest, it does not look very good. You know, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I thought it was okay. So I thought it was That's fun. fair. I mean, yeah, I don't really know what it looks like to get to see someone stabbed, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen anyone stabbed in my real I'm life. Try- I was trying to think. I've never seen someone stabbed. Thank God. That's one of those things where uh, you would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, Monk, never the intention seeker. He's in the corner by himself, losing his religion. Exactly, and he does because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be around everyone. He doesn't want to see it. Yeah, but it's more than that, right? I think even now he still feels like something. Yeah. Something was off about the way everything went down. Mm-hmm. And so um, we cut back to the show, and. Um, Monk apparently started his day like any other by vacuuming his apartment, cleaning his vacuum, and vacuuming again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to an interview with Stalmar where he talks about how two years ago the department tried to cut, you know, Monk, mm-hmm. he cut him loose, and Stalmar got suspended by going to bathroom so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we've, we've gone through all iterations of Stoudemire and uh, Monk's relationship, and uh, obviously for like the last five seasons, it's been nothing but love between yeah. them, uh, safe yeah. to say. So yeah, you know, yeah, he's got nothing else to say at this point. And so then there's a 911 call, a dead body was found, none other than Cassandra Rank, a waitress and occasional actress. 
Um, a tale as old as time. Honestly, yeah. Like, I think that now, I, I, at the time when I saw this, I wasn't as into serial killers. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm currently not at my peak of being into serial killers. I think probably like age 16, 17 was my peak. But um, if I had seen this episode the first time I was 16, 17, I would have called it being the person taking the photos. Because that is like classic serial killer shit is to be a guy to take photos of young women who want to be actresses. Like, that's one of the oldest ways to kill someone, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And so, you know, we're watching, we find out, yeah, she's an, a waitress and an actress, and, you know, we see Monk in the background doing his, his little hand motions, you know, feeling out the scene. And, um, <clears throat> and then they start to talk about why he does that. And he basically says that he um, he's doing it to, like, block out the world and to block out distractions or anything. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that he's doing the same thing to James Novak. And he's like, mm-hmm. so you're blocking me out right now. Yeah. And, you know, Stonemaier says that other people have tried it. It doesn't work. But they point out that Monk really needs Natalie because Monk has a problem in this room that one of the light bulbs is out and he needs it fixed. Um, yeah. And as Natalie puts it, sometimes he sees too much. Yeah. And, like, basically her job is to, like, keep him focused um, mm-hmm. amongst like, a million other things that she does for him. And they, because they ask, what else do you do for him? And she says, how long of a show do you have? Um, and, of course, I do love that they replace the bulb, and it's the wrong wattage. Um, right, right. And uh, then they, like, you know, he go to Disher. He has some idiosyncrasies. And then there's, like, a bit where they go back and forth between Disher and Natalie listing his fears. Um, yeah. There's some new ones on there, like egg whites. Okay, I, I hadn't noticed that, but yes. Anything else? The, uh, I didn't write any other ones. I didn't write it down. I just noticed egg whites. Okay. Um, and then, but then they div- d- dive back into who is Monk? 49 years old. And then they talk to a former babysitter of his, played by the late Catherine Justine, who was on the West Wing. I think she died, like, pretty soon after this episode aired, so rest in peace. Um, yeah. But apparently, <laughs> we learned a little... F- what? <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, it looked that way, but no, that's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, di- I mean, it did not. Um, but what was remarkable about Monk as a baby? Uh, yeah, it's like a lot of people didn't believe her, but essentially um, he would change his own diaper and then he would crawl across the room to throw it away. Um, you know, he's always been a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. At, uh, and then they t- yeah. yeah, then they talked to a former teacher who said that he was the most promising students. But then something tragic happened. We cut to Ambrose, um, yeah. who says, who points out, well, who talks about when their father left. Um, yeah, of course they bring up the fact that uh, his dad had left because he went to go get some Chinese food, which, you know, San Francisco has amazing Chinese food in case, uh, in case mm-hmm. anyone doesn't know that. Exactly. And Ambrose points out that neither him nor his mom left the rooms for two years, and so Adrian had to carry everything. And I think that this is surprisingly affecting, yeah. even though it's in like a mockumentary style. I think it, I think it's just because John Turturro is just like a powerhouse of an actor. Um, yeah. But, but it was, like, I, is, is this a new detail that they, they hadn't left a room? Yes. The thing about the room specifically, yes. Okay. Um, and I think that that really just – I think you just feel a deeper sense of sympathy for Monk in that like – I think it's so easy to see him as completely broken down and beaten by his circumstances and his problems. But when you see in contrast with his mother and Ambrose, you realize that he overcame so Correct. much. Correct. Like, he's yes. actually, like, a success. Like, he it is admirable compared to how the rest of the people in his life have reacted. Yeah, and I think this is at this point that, yeah, obviously uh, Ambrose and the mother didn't take it well, but Adrian moved on. He got a house and he got a family, I guess, with his wife. Yeah. And, he had a uh, life. Yeah, he had a life. And Ambrose considers Adrian his hero, which, yeah, like you said, it's very affecting. And then we cut to Marcy Maven, um, who uh, who says who points out that you know she's a fan and fans mean something different to everything. Everyone and it means something different to one a judge who she says has never been in love, which I think is funny. But then she shows off some of her photos. Yeah, she's got a bunch of photos on the wall, um, all of them photoshopped except for one, which is just happens to be the one where she dresses like him, right? Well, that's because remember when she uh, well she's only in two episodes before this one. So, right, um, right, but yeah. like, but like, that was the only one that was that took place in an episode, right? The other ones were like, yes, yeah. the other ones are photoshopped, okay, um, with her face on Natalie's, uh, and um, we cut to Star Wars because his brain is different, and then we cut to Harold Crenshaw, 
who I do love. <laughs> His take is uh, he's still at 99. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not at 100 yet. So let's. Uh, and then obviously, um, he talks about how they both have new therapists now, and Harold just having things that his is better than Doctor Bell. I did notice that like there's a lot less of going to the therapist with Mister with Doctor yes. Bell. I think yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that might just be contractual stuff with Hector Elizondo. Who knows? Um, But um, yeah, I I I think it definitely. I'm trying to remember. Hmm. I really don't like. I I don't really remember the last seasons as well. I I know there is a significant amount of in the finale. So I remember a specific scene, which I think is very funny in the finale. Um, But anyway, then we cut back to, of course, Brooke Adams, Tony Shalhoub's wife. Who plays? Who's played like sixteen characters in the show? But we—it's her flat ten character from the first season, um, right? And yeah, how how has Monk affected her? Uh, apparently, she's afraid of flying now, right? Like that's a big thing. Yes, they apparently there's a support group for people who are on that flight. Um, <laughs> uh, do, is, do you think? Do you think Tim Daly's on that one? Uh, he might be. I mean, I wonder if uh, Gary Marshall was on it uh, before he passed. What was his thing again? Not Gary Marshall. Um, Tim Daly. He he's, he was a killer, right? No, no he was Tim not Daly, the killer. No, Tim Daly was playing Tim Daly. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then we cut to cut back to um, this scene of the crime where Monk makes a startling discovery. He sees that there's lipstick on the cup the woman was drinking from and on her lips. But they look in the bag and lipstick is nowhere to be found. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's kind of his first thing um, that he notices about it. And we don't know at this point that there's going to be more victims, but it's obviously some sort of, like, weird calling card already. And they also notice that um, they think that she knew her victim, I mean, knew the killer, because, and that the glass was post-mortem, because um, once she put her cup down, she was strangled from the front, and there's no glass under her body, which implies that she was already laying there when the glass was broken. Right. Yeah. There was none under her. It was all on the top of her. So yeah, obviously she had to have known the person that uh, that did it in some capacity. And there's no way of knowing. It was just the beginning. Right. Then we cut to a commercial. Go back to basketball. Um, there's some ten- some anger, angry bickering between uh, Natalie and Stottmeyer. Once again, also, this is not Stoudemire's house. Like, I just can't imagine being so entitled. Have you, would you ever touch the remote at someone else's house without asking? No, certainly not. But from what we can gather, um, Stoudemire is a degenerate gambler, and uh, I don't think he's got a mm-hmm. smartphone where he could just be checking ESPN, you know? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I didn't even consider it from that angle, and I really appreciate it. Now I'm back on Stoudemire's side. I'll always, I'll always stick up for a DG. Um, okay. Stoudemire, can you just imagine, because it's, it's third overtime, Stoudemire, they go down, uh, they book it, they book... Um, James Novak, and but he rushes home because he lost the bet on the basketball game, and he's chasing with Hawaii football. So he's gotta, he's got to see. I'm telling you, like, yeah, this is a different era, man. Like, you had to kind of just watch that shit. So I remember, I think it was Stu Gatz, the Lover Shot Show, who said so, there was a joke about how you know your degenerate game, but based on how many football players on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors you can name. <laughs> I can only because name one. Well, no, no, I mean, currently, of course. But the point being, because if you're up so late. You know, because it's always yeah. the last game. It's like, if right, you're right, right, right. I gotta make it back. I gotta make it back at 2 a.m. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's funny. Anyway, Disher has a problem, though, with his presentation. Because apparently, much like the killer and Mr. Monk goes to a wedding, they call him Sergeant Disher on the show. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's not a sergeant, he's a lieutenant. And, you know, Novak said that he'll change it, but obviously he doesn't give a fuck. He's like a dick. No, no, no. no. Um, and. Natalie's going over to Monk trying to, like, make him happy, and he's like, you know, I feel like there's something I missed, you know? Um, but I did like that. It's funny because, like, she notices that he looks uncomfortable, and she said, did somebody hug you or something? What's going on? Yeah, yeah I forgot to write that down. That's funny. Um, then we cut. It's back on, and there's no leads in it but a new murder. Barbara, I didn't get her last name. Another part-time, another part-time actress. Strangled with no force entry. And uh, they find a headshot. Not necessarily interested another actress. And they look in the bag, and uh, what is nowhere to be found? The lipstick as well. It's gone. Which, which leads Randy to say... Uh, well, he calls the... I don't remember what he says at first, but he's... Well, it's he's, like the lipstick killer. The yeah, lipstick he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to come up with the, with the name for it. Um, and I like that Like throughout like most of the scenes previous to this, he's always looking at the camera. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's I forgot to mention that, but that's a perfect character bit. Like, of course he is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't have like the the thing that in a lot of these shows, whenever they do a mockumentary episode, will have like one character who doesn't know how to act, like who doesn't know how to be on camera. And of um, course, it's Disher. No, no, no. I don't mean that. Like, you, you they, 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 there's usually two types of characters. There's a the character who hams up for the camera a lot, and then the character who like doesn't know how to act like a human being when they're on camera, who, like, is, like, nervous and is, like, of looking at the camera the whole time and is, like, scared, which they yeah, don't yeah. have that. I thought they were going to do that with Natalie, but um, I appreciate that they didn't, because, uh, anyway. She's a star, baby. She's, exactly. she's, she's, she's the model, or mm-hmm. kind of. No, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, Sharona, she really used to model. Um, oh, right. In Atlantic City. Um, shouts to my guy, what's his name, Dexter, uh, I forgot, uh, Gary Cole's character, Dexter, I forget what. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then, but when asked why he's coming up with any, but for the record, I think the lipster killer would be what this guy's called, because um, that actually, you know, is a pretty juicy detail. Um, actually, no, they wouldn't call him that because they didn't release it to the public, so I really don't know what they would call this guy. Um, uh, you know, I guess you'd have to. Uh, well, I, I assume that all three of. Okay, sorry, spoiler alert, but it's three women that get killed by this guy. Um, mm-hmm. It would just be like a nice twist if they all had the same uh, lipstick shade, and then you could just like call it by the shade. That would be a good point. Yeah, like the root, the, I don't even know what, I can't even make up a fake color, like the Scarlet uh, Assassin. Yeah. Um, no, but the Lipstick Killer no, probably no. would be what the, it's the, the Scarlet Assassin would be Steven Dorff. Ayo! <laughs> Damn. Great, <laughs> timely reference. Yeah. Man, what the, f- Literally Dorf. today. That's the funniest shit. Great shit, shit man. But Steven Dorff, what the, f- who, who, I honestly I didn't read the interview because I don't. I genuinely don't give a shit what Stephen Dorff has to say. I'm not just saying that. I did bother reading it. I just thought they were saying, but who? Whenever like someone like that it goes off on something, it's like who is asking Stephen Dorff about anything? I mean, he he, you know, he had like a little comeback with like being on True Detective season three. Where he, he was, was really like, good actually in really that. yeah, he was great in it. And it's a shame <laughs> that he just fucking tarnished it with just some could, shade. And and the thing is, I don't care that you don't like Marvel movies. I really don't. But my whole thing is, and I tweeted about this, is like the nerds won. And, like, as, like, someone I would call myself nerd-adjacent my whole life, like, I hate how, like, died-in-the-wool nerds won culture, and they couldn't be angrier about it. They're still so upset. It's like, come movies are the biggest things in the world. You don't have to listen to people who don't like them. But anyway. But also, who is... Steven Dorff was in fucking Blade. That's his most... It's his number one on IMDb most known for. You can't fucking... Anyway. Yeah. And he's good in Blade, too. Shouts to Deacon Frost. Um, no anyway. shots in the... But yeah, moving on. Yeah. But anyway, uh... Disher's explanation of why he comes up with a nickname, by the way, he says, if you can name him, you can catch him. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how it works, but sure, go off, King. No, uh, they he they, they called him the Zodiac Killer for the whole time, and they haven't caught him. That's Actually, true. he called himself the Zodiac Killer. Um, yeah. And I was going to say the BTK is the same thing, but they call, he called himself the BT as well. well. He gave a whole list, which is dumb. I think we talked about this before. You can't give a yeah. list instead on one. Yeah, you um, pick one and you die with it. But they did call the, the, they called him the Green River Killer, and they caught him, so sometimes it does work. Um, so anyway, uh, Monk is in the apartment, he notices some water spots on a glass, and he wants to do a cycle, which I think is funny. Um, yeah. But they notice that, uh, the act, that both actresses also worked briefly at a theme restaurant called the Morbid Cafe. Yeah, and you know, I want to say, like, I want to say the interior was this one bar that I used to frequent, like, a few years ago called, um, it's a Beetlejuice-themed bar. I think it's called Beetle Bar. Um, very fun bar. Very cool. Uh, but it, that's what it looks like. But it's, it's yeah. I mean, it very well might be. Um, what's your what's your take on theme restaurants to begin with? Uh, so what would that entail? Like Medieval Times or something? D- that, Rainforest Cafe, stuff like that. I've never, I've never been to a Rainforest Cafe, but I am a huge fan of Medieval Times. Um, the food isn't great. I've never been to, re- I've never been to Medieval Times, so... Um, it's fun. That's more, I mean, that's it's more cool. than just like a... That's more than just a theme restaurant. Like, that's a whole thing. Like, whereas Rainforest Cafe, you just come in and go out, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I'm cool with it as long as it's not, like, Disney-related or something. Like, that would be annoying to me. No, what? Uh, no, yeah, Rainforest Cafe, I mean, ironically, the only one I've ever been to, which I've been to... Three or four times is the one in Animal Kingdom, um, but uh, which you know that's pretty, it's pretty appropriate Rainforest Cafe. But the Rainforest Cafe, the thing about it is, and this is just me telling you about the Rainforest Cafe, is that there's just a bunch of like trees and like a- animatronic animals all over, and then, like every fifteen minutes there's a thunderstorm where the lights kind of go out and there's a little shaking. Like, rah, rah, rah. That's cool. And then, Wait, hold on. Yeah, with, I like the Rainforest with, Cafe a lot. 
would Chuck E. Cheese be considered a themed restaurant? Yes and no. I would say no again because it's more than just like it's more than just a restaurant that happens to have a theme. You know what I mean? Because like it's more of a game. It's like Chuck E. Cheese is I would say it's less of a restaurant. You know, Um, like theme restaurants aren't usually chains for one, Um, and they're usually like I would say Beetle Bar is a theme bar, like that type of thing. Oh yeah, there's like there's another one in LA. I think it's called something in Villains, and I want to say it's like a Star Wars theme bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like stuff like that. That's what it is. But anyway, um, Monk is upset because people eat at this restaurant. Apparently, Julie frequents it a lot, um, and they meet like the manager who truly is just. I think this guy's performance. This is one of the best like one scene performances in my. I fucking, fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. I was laughing the whole time, basically. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's yeah. doing the whole Bella Lugosi, uh, you know, like. Um, vampire uh, accent and yeah. shit, and it's obvious that you know they're asking her, they're asking him about the first girl, uh, Cassandra, and he was. He I calls think her he delectable. Ta- yeah, he calls her delectable and mentions like he remembers like sucking her blood, or maybe he did that for the second one. I don't remember, but it's no, no, no that- he said that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and then so they basically bury the lead and like, oh, like why are you asking? Oh, she, she was she killed. Got murdered. She was killed, and then he like breaks the you know he breaks the performance and it's just like oh he's like why whoa jeez why did you say I, I think I like about it is that he's like he's cognizant like oh my god I'm gonna look terrible why did you do <laughs> yeah. that um, yeah it's, it's actually reminiscent of there's a bit in the Psych Vampire episode which I actually think might be the best episode of Psych which is saying something um, where Corey Feldman in one scene performance plays like a bartender at a vampire themed bar and does before he realizes they're talking about an actual murder he like fully is like going to say whoa whoa sorry man I, yeah 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 I don't, I'm not uh, but I, I always appreciate that um, well I'm glad it was Corey Feldman he's got some experience with the vampires yeah he, it, well I mean that's why they cast him I mean also because he yeah. needed uh, rent money um, damn I, I'm sorry I, I, I'm not the first or last person to make a joke about Corey Feldman not having no of course not of course not of course not um, but uh, then they move on to Barbara McFarland and the guy makes the same mistake Cause like she, you know, her neck was very delectable, so she was killed too. Why did you say that? <laughs> I mean, he should have learned that to the first time, but yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. He's definitely too committed to the bit. Um, that's the thing I don't like with the thing I. This theme restaurant is a bit too much of a theme. Like I like if it's like the decorations or theme or whatever. I don't want people to be in character. I hate talking to people who are in character. Um, it just I hate it. It's just one of the least serious things in the world. I I'm a person. I like. When people are in character, I want them to be doing a performance that's not part of me. And I, when people I'm, in, when I'm interacting with someone, I want them to be themselves. I don't like interacting with people who are in character. I think I'd be in on it, and I probably would like respond that way too. Yeah, I, and I know I'm not. I'm not the majority. I just have like a thing of like I just I don't like talking to people in character because I'm always like, what if there's an emergency? Like, what the fuck? How do I convey to someone that something bad happened? Anyway. All right. Okay. Hold on. Let's just say. <laughs> Let's just say yeah. that you become some big uh, Hollywood scre- uh, screenwriter, big shot, mm-hmm. and you got DDLs in character. He's talking to you. What you're not gonna like respond to him? No, if it's DDL, but I think that there's a reason why almost every other method actor is described as a nightmare, and DDL is the only one that people are okay with because. Um... And also, the thing about DDL is that DDL is in character insofar as you call him his name and he kind of acts like the character but it's not like whereas in this situation a waiter at a restaurant like this is pretending like they actually are a vampire and like is gonna respond to you like that ddl knows that he has to do the scene multiple times he's not like what with this camera i'm playing a guy in 1901 what is this technology you know what i mean like that's yeah, yeah. That's, true, that's true that's true that's true that's true yeah right. or as the way paul thomas anderson once put it you can be a method actor, but you still alone over the craft services table is at the end of the day, which is Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, they need a list of employees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but then it cuts to Natalie, who says that he takes all his cases seriously, but when the women are the victim, it hits him very hard, and that's how they transition into Trudy. Yeah, and again, I'm like always shocked whenever they show Trudy and stuff, and they mention that she died at 35. Like, dude, I'm fucking 33. I'm about to be 34. There's zero shot. That she's 35. No, it's a problem. It's the problem of when you cast someone who's dead, but then for flashbacks, the actress obviously keeps getting older. Um, right, right. Uh, By the way, side, they, side, they, side question. Sure. <clears throat> what do you think about olives and tacos? What? Olives and tacos. Olives and tacos? Never had, but I mean, I like... Uh, I like olives and... 
I like tacos. I I'm not against it as an idea. What kind of olives? Black olives. Then I'm pro, very much. But I'm pro black olives and anything. Gulag. All right, go on. Why? No, because this, this guy put up a fuck. This guy put up a fucking poll. Are like tacos acceptable in? Or sorry, are olives acceptable in tacos? And I want to say it's eighty four percent no, sixteen percent yes on thirty eight votes. I, I'm all. The thing is, with any is something acceptable and whatever. Like I just am not a gatekeeper about anything with food like that because I have so many food proclivities that are not good. Like I just am never gonna be judgmental about that. Fries also, with mayo. Uh, no, but I don't like mayo, period, so that's not... That's one of my things, like, I don't like mayo, period, so... Same. But, and my mom, my very white mother, is not an arbiter on this, but I remember when she would make taco dip growing up, which would always have black olives in it. Um, I don't know. I think the salty flavor just seems like... It it, I, it seems like it would work. I don't know. Taco I'm, I'm dip? Not, the fuck yeah. is that? It would be, like, beans, tomatoes, sour cream, spices and stuff, taco... Ma- like, different taco spices, black olives, and then you dip chips in it, and, you know, taco dip. Okay. Right. It's a very white thing. I'm not gonna pretend it isn't, but it's delicious. <laughs> okay, right. Well, no yeah, I mean, it's, okay. no, no king shaming. I don't think any of the ingredients I described sound bad. I mean, like it, you know, uh, it's a good party dip. But anyway, um, also by that I just looked it up. Melora Hardin was is born in '67, so when she was first cast in the show, she was probably like 37. So by the time this episode aired, she actually was only like 40. 40? So she was only five years older. So it's not that bad. Okay. Um, you know, also, I think you're just, you're a young 33, so, you know. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, so we talk about, we get, we're, we're talking about Trudy, basically, right? We get to that yeah. portion of the documentary. And uh-huh. there's an important thing that they finally make clear that they've kind of alluded to before, where that his phobias were very much at bay when she, when he was with her. Right, like, okay. Function. Yeah, I was like, okay. I knew that he was always, like, a little bit eccentric, but, like, they made it very clear that he was basically, like, cured when he was with her, in a way. Not, like, not he was, no, no, he was eccentric. He just wasn't, like, obsessive, you know? Okay, okay. He was was a weirdo, but he was not a, he wasn't debilitated from living regular life by himself. Right, and and then, like, so they interview, like, Sodomime about it, and he mentions that, like, you know, when he was with Trudy, like, he was like such a happy guy that he even like whistled like on his way to work, uh, like zippity doo da, and uh, and he hasn't heard him whistle in a long time. Yeah, and so they discuss like the bomb. They have a news clip from it, and then they talk to Ambrose, who said that he saw his soul leave his body, and that um, even though the bomb was across the street, I mean across town, uh, that bomb killed my brother too. Which woof, man, John Turturro, great actor. Great, great stuff. I would love to, like, have, like, a... If they just redid The Night Of, and it was John Turturro, and trying to solve um, the murder of Trudy instead. That is... I mean... God, that yeah. was such a good yeah. show, man. Fuck. I actually didn't watch it. Um, oh, you didn't? Too much eczema. Too much eczema. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I... Anyway, um... Monk, so no, so yeah, we talk about we yeah we talk the like monk basically after this like the night that like you know when after Ambrose says that his brother died that night they also mentioned that he didn't leave the house for three years I'm pretty sure we knew that but maybe not that specific no, timeline okay yeah yeah and um and then basically monk can't die until he figures out what happened <laughs> yeah and it is this notable thing because you see he has a tear coming out of his eye like he's you know the fact that he doesn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. um anyway there's another victim. Same MO, lipstick taken, but she never worked at the restaurant, which means... Miranda, Miranda Terhune. Put some respect on, on the dead. Sorry. Uh, and the case, that, that basically kind of just like threw a wrench in the case because the one connection was gone. Um, and the thing I appreciate, which you see most in this, is that, I think this is a really good character detail, where every time the cameras come in, Stahlmeier is very concerned about getting the bodies covered up because he doesn't want them to see... I don't know if you noticed that. He's oh, like, no, I did not. The, I think it's a really nice detail because he's like really he's kind of like giving like a scolding look towards the cameraman like fuck you fuck you like don't this is a person um, which I like and, I like when you see those moments of humanity yeah and it turns out I mean he was right well not in those three cases but he was right to be a little bit you know um, cautious yeah and so the monk is looking at all the headshots and it's clear he has an idea and I do love that and I like, like zoom in I love this part and what they conclude yeah. Is that those photos have something in common? 
they were all taken by the same photographer, which, bang, there you go. Now Boom I goes the dynamite. That, I wish that there was a clue that made Monk realize that they were taken by the same photographer, not literally that they all just said it, because I think that's a little too easy. I wish it was like the same background kind of or something. Like that. Hmm, that's true. I wasn't. I, wasn't I just don't believe. I don't believe that no one would have noticed it because they all have the same name on them, you know. Right. Yeah, and like uh, I mean, that's the thing that you. I, I can't imagine that San Francisco. I mean, it doesn't have like the same uh, prestige as LA does as far as like acting. So I can only imagine there's like a finite no, I'm gonna say amount. No. I'm gonna say no because okay. I know two different people who live in my hometown in Florida who do like headshots and stuff. Just cause I, there's a lot of people who just take photos professionally, like, like acting headshots. Well, headshots for anything, but yeah, like I think it's just a very. I think a lot of people do photography work on the side, like because it's a pretty easy way to make money on the side. So I actually think it's a pretty common thing, anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. But it's a guy named Douglas Thurman, who boy oh boy does he look like a murderer. Um, yeah. I, yeah. My my notes. Thurman looks like a freak for sure. Yeah. And then we'll find out if what's the deal after these messages. And then we have a scene with James and Jillian where uh, Jillian says that one reactor in one of the episodes was bad, but it turns out there was actually a real dead body. Right, yes. Uh, she's very uncouth about it. Um, but also, okay, so you know how they keep going back to the game? I seriously thought that was going to pay off in some way or it was going to have something to do I with everything. I wish it did. Yeah. I, I, I thought, just want like, to point yeah. out, though, that James, out of nowhere, says everybody make mistakes, even me. What was your mistake? My wife. Yo, you just met this woman. Yeah. This guy hates his wife so much. I mean, he seems to hate all women, as we find out a little bit That's later. That's true. Not yet. Uh, not a woke king at all. No. No. Um, Monk is fidgeting with some chairs and dishers, like, what's going on with him? He thinks he made a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. Then we get back on, and in the voiceover, James calls Monk the phrase, best phrase in the show, the defective detective. Right. Um, and we then see a little interrogation with James. And James's thing is he's a regular Christopher Nolan in that he only uses real film. Uh, he doesn't use digital. That's why he makes his photos look good. Yes. Uh, sorry, not James. Douglas. D- oh, Douglas. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was Douglas. Uh, Douglas only uses real film. Yeah, and he says that he never laid a hand on them. And essentially, they're, you know, they interview him and all that stuff. There's nothing that comes of it. There's no evidence, so they have to release him in the end. Exactly. And um, then they, this, they cut to, like, what about amongst other adversaries? Where are they? Almost all are in prison. And so we see Howie Mandel, who is in prison uh, for 10 years because of fraud. Mm-hmm. And he claims that he's happy because Monk helped him find peace. And, of course, he is full shit. Yeah, like, the camera's supposed to cut off, and he's clearly very disturbed by, uh, you know, his situation. Um, and and uh, then we get... Yeah, go ahead. Go. No, you go. Oh, yeah, and so, like, uh, we go to Arlene Boris, who is, uh, I, I don't know what her Angela name is, Kinsey. I forgot. Yeah, Angela Kinsey from The Office. And, obviously, like, she seems pretty calm about it, but more than anything, she's very happy because, uh, you know, after she got... Uh, yeah, after she got busted, Monk stuck around and helped clean her apartment, and she managed to get her full deposit back, so good for her. <laughs> this is so funny. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we get a three-way interview with um, Jimmy Belmont... From Mr. Monk goes to a farm. Yeah. Uh, Hal, whatever his last name is, um, from Mr. Monk makes a friend, and I forget what Crenshaw from Mr. Monk of the Daredevil. Um, and Hal says that the hard part was trying to be Monk's friend. That him telling a joke was a verbal root canal. Um, right. And so, like you know, he said that that they all felt kind of bad for him in a way, right? Something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah. and they hate the thing they hate though is the summation thing. I love, I know what I did. <laughs> right, yeah, they know what they did. But, like, and so James is, like, he mentions that they all had fantastic plans and, like, what, what went wrong. And the only thing that went wrong was that, uh, you know, Adrian Monk lives in the same city. I, I do. do love the I do love the camaraderie, though, of where yeah. uh, Crenshaw's like, I found a dead daredevil. Oh, that was you? And then uh, Hal's like, didn't you uh, kill a pig? Uh, you know, it's like, uh, in a... Uh, make a jeep go like with a saw block it was actually a pickup truck but i was like they're all like admiring each other's work yeah 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 no it was it was good to see them um and and actually that brought up a good question um who would you have wanted to have seen back i know who my answer is who's your answer uh Butsakaris, baby who 
uh, Dennis Putsakaris, the one that was like the psychiatrist when uh, Mr. Monk goes to the insane asylum or whatever. Oh, with the, with the wow. Santa Claus. Why? <laughs> uh, just because he's my guy. I don't know. I like him. Or oh, okay. Hulk McElhaney or whatever. Okay. I would probably say, honestly, Gary Cole for me. Um, okay, that's true. Like, Gary Cole's my guy, and I also think his, like, swagger of, like... Because he, I don't think, would give it up for Monkey. He feels like he'd still be bitter. Um, and, yeah, I think that'd be fun. There's a lot of... Or, or Jeffrey... Uh, or uh, Michael Weston. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, he would be Jeffrey pissed. Donovan. Oh, no, he was actually uh, respectful yeah. at the end, right? Wasn't he? He was, but I think he'd be pissed because he's like, he would have been... He was going to be a senator or whatever. Oh, um, right. Yeah. But uh, then we hear that Douglas disappeared, which, of course, le- leads a judge to give a search warrant. Um, and then at this point, Randy plugs his CD, um, cause he got it. The project never sleeps. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, you know, he's looking for the, for the, for the search warrant in the car while they're on their way there and, uh, can't find it, but he sure as fuck finds the Randy Disher project EP or whatever the fuck it is. And, uh, yeah, he throws on, what's the name of the song? Be Free or something? Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Baby I'm Free or Don't Need a Badge. Honestly, yeah. I can't remember that. It's one of those two. Um, and then they bust into the apartment. There's a bunch of fo- photo canisters laying around, and then there is a shrine with the three headshots with the lipstick drawn onto it in a way that is legitimately creepy. In a way that I think is like, I think a real serial killer probably be a little creepier, but it is just bizarre enough where it's like, yeah, that sounds like something a serial killer would do. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, we find out that it's actually you know legit. He's a freak. Uh, so fine, but I thought like at the time I'm like this is a little bit too neat as it usually goes yes. on this show. Yeah, I mean it has to be. That's the unfortunate thing about uh, crime procedural that is not like Law and Order, where there's also the like legal part of it, where you need to be a hundred percent sure the person at the end of it did it, or else it's not a satisfying conclusion. You know what I mean? Because there's no conviction. Um, right. But anyway, uh, Disher says it was definitely the cosmetic assassin. Um, and, and they feel bad because, like, we could, you know, we never should have let him go. But Steinmart is great. Like, there actually was, they could not have helped him. They, there's nothing uh, illegal about having to happen to take three headshots of people who died. Obviously, it's suspicious, but he didn't commit crime. Um, yeah. But it turns out, after, as he was leaving, he made one last stop. It's at Kate Kendall's apartment. Someone else that he took a photo of. Yeah. He couldn't control himself. He was yeah. regular Ted Bundy in that he was on the lam and he couldn't control himself from murdering, which, you know... Um, I've long said is just the thing we don't talk enough about as a society. Um, but anyway. Yeah, he's just not as good looking as him, but yeah, anyways. Um, I mean, Ted Bundy also was, like, just average looking. He just wasn't disgusting for sure. Like, I think we overblow how handsome Ted Bundy was. Um, I mean, you see, like, those women writing... Well, I guess they wrote into, like, the Night Stalker, and he was horrific looking also. Yeah, so. that, that says nothing to do with how attractive they are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, like, the Night Stalker famously, like, one of the things people said about him is he smelled bad. Imagine being smelling so bad that you are a murderer, and it's like, describe him. Ah, he kind of had this, this, oh, and he smelled bad. So, yeah, the Night Stalker is disgusting. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, as we mentioned, it was, like, three hours after the raid, and, she, you know, she was found strangled. She had previously posed for Thurman, and, um, and then so we cut right back to the viewing party, and... Uh, I guess well, oh, we saw that's the reenactment. We, yes, yes. We see the reenactment, and that's uh, Disher's Jillian. date. Uh, Jillian, yeah. That's Jillian's uh, performance. So they're all like very proud of her. They give her, you know, some daps. And uh, Novak gives her a little bit more than some daps. He gives her a nice peck on the lips, which. Yeah. I'm surprised Disher wasn't just like, yo, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Disher, it, I mean, this is a very organic time to bring it up. Disher, just, he got cocked. I mean, yeah, 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 old cookie. I mean, sometimes you have to shoehorn it in, but is that not what happened? No, he's it right is. There. Yeah, he's right there. Um, no, he doesn't say anything. We don't see him, his reaction or anything. But we do see uh, James Novak's wife. wife's reaction because she catches him doing it, and he just says that like he was giving, he said good job or something. But like, shut up, man. Yeah. Um. So she was also strangled. The lipstick was taken. So then the apartment, Monk needs some more light, and there's a little thing where you, you of course, there's no reason to notice it at the time, but uh, Novak flips on a light switch, and just so happens to be the right light switch, even though there's five there, but we'll get to that. Um, and Thurman was found in San Racine, and when the police were closing in, he ended his own life. Um, and as they put, much like Adolf Hitler, he claimed his final victim, who was himself. Um, 
You didn't know where I was going there when I started with them. No, no, I did not. No, no, no. Um, uh, but anyway. And so yeah. so the episode of In Focus is over, but this mm-hmm. episode of Monk is not over. Exactly. And Monk is kind of confused. He's like, wait. If um, Thurman was heading to Mexico, he had Mexican pesos in his possession. Why would he have gone 50 miles north of San Francisco to Kate Kendall's place? Which I just want to do as an aside. I don't know where exactly James Novak lives, but if James Novak lives in San Francisco, that's crazy that he has a mistress 50 miles away. Yes. That's what I'll say. Um, And also, she was was straying from behind as opposed to from the front. Like, definitely some red flags. Yeah, the MO is off. um, And Monk, uh, you know, uh, obviously this happens post the show wrapping. Yes. So so yeah he he he's he he need ah he like he suspects something and we're gonna get to that yeah um, um and, and right and right and right yeah, right when he says that somebody else ki- uh, killed Kate Kendall uh, he just gets Stottlemyre in the back swoosh mm-hmm. exactly um and Novak is doing the thing that all killers do in Monk where they're like well, I mean there's nothing to see here the case is over he killed them um and Monk is like do you have a copy of this on a VHS tape. And of course he doesn't because it's on digital. And Monk's like, "Well, we can't watch it back then." Um, it's right. on DVR, and so they rewind back to the photo studio. And there definitely was a short period of time where we would, my family, say things like, "Hit picture, play button." Um, I never had. I never had DVR. It always oh, seemed DVR awesome. The best. We had DVR. I with like my family didn't have a ton of luxuries. I mean, we had luxuries, but like we were never had crazy shit. But all of like the. Upgrades you could get on like cable and stuff like that we always had. We we're always at like we got HD like really early and then I think we got we had DVR probably I think we had DVR by the time this episode was out like in 07 we had DVR. Um, Did you have TiVo or was it just like the no cable we had DVR, DVR. We, didn't, we never got TiVo because TiVo obviously came out in, like the early 2000s but we got DVR once Comcast started offering it um, and it really just made a huge difference um, especially like when my dad would like see something stupid in like a sports game and then he'd like call us out of our rooms and then say like hey watch this you know good stuff. Um, so then picture freezer, uh, picture go back, picture freezer, they're in this studio, and they're looking at, when they first go in, all the canisters on the desk are all on their sides. Yeah, um, but Monk notices that in another, um, image, from, when, they're like, when they're leaving, that there's actually one film canister that's facing up, so that had to have been planted after the fact. Yes. And which which you remember, oh, which which leads to my favorite or like a hilarious thing where Stottlemyre says, "No, it couldn't have been any of the cops that I know because oh, they're yeah. all righteous." Which is like, yeah, all right, bro. Yeah, like I just, I, I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about like, not no, not even the copping, but just like, truly, there is not a single person outside of my immediate family which I would swear on my life is incapable of murdering someone. Like, really, like, I just, like, I've done many po- done podcasts with you. I know you very well. I, if, if, if someone, if there was a ton of evidence that you murdered someone, I wouldn't be like, no, there's no way. Like, I just, like, maybe he's crazy. I don't know. Right, but this isn't even, that's not even the case here. It's just about of manufacturing course. evidence. Well, that, that, that which, is Which, which is, a, which right, is a right. lot easier to, like, justify. That is true as well. But also, like, so I'm not saying this about, like, there's, like, eight cops. Really, all eight of them? You're 100% sure it's not? Really? Yeah, yeah, no chance. Fucking, t- going back to Ted Bundy, a fucking future, one of the best-selling true crime writers of all time, and Roll, fucking worked next to him for, like, a year and didn't know he was a murderer. Like, I just don't, people are way too, I think one of the reasons I love the film Gone Girl is because one of the feces of it is, no matter how much you know someone, you never really can know what's going on in their head. It's point being, they're just, stop vouching that someone could not be capable of a murder unless, like, they literally are your sibling. Like, don't. Just stop it. Shut up. And, right. Anyone's capable just, of anything. My thesis. Just because you always will look like an idiot. You'll look like those people who are like, you know, when fucking, I don't know, I don't go to specifics because it's all upsetting, but like when someone does something along and it's like, uh, someone writes a letter to the court, like, he's, he was never capable of this. Like, you don't fucking know. Anyway. So. Yeah. <sighs> Disher points out, though, that that specific canister was Kate Kendall's because he bagged it himself, which there's no way Disher would remember that, but whatever. Um, and. Then we go picture go fast again to the apartment, and this is where we notice the thing with the light switch, where, uh, how did he know what light to flip on? 
Right, because apparently there were five light switches, and at the fourth one, I don't know how he's categorizing like the order of it, but he hit the fourth one, so clearly there's, he had been. There. It was not the the fact that it was not the first on either side is like there's no you would have to know. Right, exactly, um, and so we get the here's what happened basically, right? Um, mm-hmm. K- Kate Kimball, she was a what, sex mistress. Yes, I knew. Oh, sorry, you were I, I didn't know that. that. I, sorry. I didn't know that you – I want to make sure I said it because in case you didn't have it written down, we have to say that, the sex mistress. No, I, at, this point, at, at this point, I, I know whenever the words sex mistress are involved that they're going to be – she be was a sex prostitute. You are having yes. a sex affair. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so Kindle was his sex mistress uh, – was James Novak's sex mistress, and he wanted her gone. Why? It's still unclear because it didn't seem like she was very upset about anything judging by her behavior um, when we see the flashback. Yes. Yes, but also not really. This guy doesn't seem like he needs a lot of reason to like. He, you know, this doesn't seem like he has a good relationship with women. I so. don't know, man. I th- this was like a little flimsy to me because at this point it seemed like he'd be more likely to kill his wife than he would the mistress. True. To be quite you honest, know a, you know what it could be though. It could be one of those situations where the reason she was so excited is because he told her that he like, was going to leave her. his wife. That's yeah. usually like that's a big thing monk to get to get the trust of the mistress before you kill them. Um, oh, like but, uh, the one from the clock tower. It's kind of like that, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Rest in peace, by the way, to her. Right. And so, uh, you know, he wanted a gun, so this is the perfect opportunity. He was working on the show about a serial killer, so he, and he's been on the scene. He knows a little bit of the facts that other people don't know, so he was able to fabricate it and make it look mm-hmm. like the lipstick killer, the cosmetic killer, whatever his, his name is, uh, was involved in this. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened, and, yeah, that's what happened. Right? But, like... How about the Maybelline Mangler? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybelline. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe he's just a murderer. Like honestly, not. These are not. These are all not bad. If anyone needs a professional nickname of serial killers, I mean, there's not as many serial killers as there used to be. Like it's not the seventies, but um. I mean, know. Jake. Jake does pretty good at naming fantasy teams, but uh, so far his work with uh, making serial killer names is leaving a little bit. To I just. Be I need. I need more time. Honestly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, naming fantasy football teams, I'm doing that again. Oh, if you Venmo me 69 cents and send me a screenshot of your roster, I will name you, give you a pun name for two. I, I did it just, okay, yeah, a peek behind the curtain. I did pay Jake to give my fantasy football team name. Um, you didn't use it. I had, I had Vance, no, I did use it. Um, oh. But but uh, the guy sucked so bad that I dropped him and then I changed it. Like What was who was what was yours again? <laughs> I had Vance McDonald and it was Vance Fans Revolution. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Some of my past ones are Kelsey Lately. Um, one of my like favorites that. was uh, this was more because I wanted to do the Photoshop was um, uh, Jimmy Garofalo. And it was J- Jimmy Garofalo's face on Jimmy Garofalo's body. Okay, I like that. Um, um, what would you classics. do with Trevor Lawrence? What would you do with Trevor Lawrence? Trevor, that's a hard one because Trevor, both tre- neither of those really are uh, like pop culture enough. No, it's not even that. It's that it has to be words that are sim- have. Similar, in, I'm trying to think. Words that have a lot of rhymes to them is basically the way you want to do it, right? Um, uh, off the top of my head, this is very long, but possession is nine tenths of the Lawrence. Um, how about how about like Zach Wilson? Zach, that's even harder because Zach and Wilson are like because I don't want to do because Zach is too common of a name, so I could do like you know um, Zach Zach Black or, or Zach Zach Zach, Zach, and Zach, Zach, and Zach, Zach Zach in the New York Groove. Um, uh, but Trevor wants, like, I can't believe Trevor, uh, um, never, never, uh, never say Trevor again, um, stuff like that, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I take a lot of time in this. I, what I did last year was, Trevor uh, and onions. Trevor and onions. The problem, last year I only got, like, two people to do it, which was a problem, because I pre-planned it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna spend a day just thinking of as many as possible, and I got the least people asking I've ever gotten before, which was really a gut punch. But anyway, oh, let's keep going. Oh. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be there August 13th. Okay. If you want to meet up. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure that off, bud. Um, okay. But anyway, so, yeah, the lights, and he's accused of murder, and, of course, there's no evidence, really, um, except uh, his wife suspected something was going on the night that Kate Kendall was murdered because he showed up at home at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, and went to go take a shower. Sh- yeah, and she took something from his bag, which seems suspicious, which was, of course, lipstick. Um, yeah. 
And so at this point, Novak knows that the jig is up, so he pulls out a gun, and, uh, you know, he's pointing it out, and he's, uh, you know, he's holding them a, a room full of, well, not full of cops, but with some cops but in there. But a lot of cops. And, no, a lot of cops. This, wait, this is a reference for no one, but this place is crawling with cops. Continue. Uh, yeah, so this place is crawling with cops, and, you know, Stoudemire finds a moment to try to, like, you know, de-arm him. And he gets off a shot, which seems uh, seems to hit our good friend Jillian um, somewhere. But it turns out she was just giving up performance, and um, it was a know. force of habit. Yeah, force yeah, of I habit. Yeah, I mean, it's she when she sees a biscuit, she just she immediately acts like that. Um, and yeah. everyone claps for her performance. It was actually it was yeah. pretty good. It convinced me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so then we cut to the end bit where. Um, Natalie's reading about the case in uh, the papers, and uh, Monk says, you know, it's nice to go out on a high note. Yeah, uh, it's nice to go out on a high note, um, and, you know, it's his 100th case, uh, 100th case, and, like, what better number to end with? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, this actually, the second part of it wasn't the 100th case. Yeah, it was actually, it's a separate case. Yeah, it was the hundred and first case. So I, I love. That I do love that. Is, that. No, I love the reaction is how did this happen? <laughs> right, right. He's like he fucked it up bad, and uh, so he's at one hundred and one now. So the next mm-hmm. roundest number you can possibly get to is two hundred. So two hundred. Although I would argue that I, if I'm monk, I don't think that that's round enough. You know what I mean? Like two hundred is not as round a number as one hundred. I think you got to go to a thousand. Correct. Um, yes. that's my opinion. But this isn't but, um, Days of Our Lives. Uh, we're not getting... It isn't. No. We're not, not seeing 200 not, even. No, we're not seeing 200. I do miss the days of shows going on that long. Um, I've long been the... I'm the... I, I John Snow meme of every person under the age of 50 wanting TV... Being okay with TV shows only being like six episode seasons. And I'm like, no, 24 bust. Fuck you. It, do I care that most of the episodes aren't going to be as good? No, I don't care. I just want more. I'm a glutton. Anyway, that's my, that's yeah. my bad take that I will die in the hill of. But anyway, um, he better get started, and so they start going through the newspaper reading about cases. And the last one I wrote down is, TV writer found dead after contract dispute, which of course, you know, TV writers love to make jokes about stuff like that. And then the episode's over. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you give this episode? I never say I that, so I just a, wanted to. Go, I'm glad you did. I give it an 8.5. I gave it an 8.5 as well. Um, yeah, this episode's good. I it had some, how good this episode was. Yeah, I know. It has a lot of highs, very few lows. Um, nothing that, like, you know, the new format was, like, kind of cool, like, for a one-off. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very happy about that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was kind of, like, hoping that there would be, you know, not, I don't want to be too morbid. Um, but I did kind of wish that, like, the serial killer, like, had a little bit, like, cooler shit. Like, they cut off someone's head or something yeah. like that. Like, but obviously yeah. it's months. So, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't thinking that, too. Definitely, right. definitely was pretty tame. Definitely was pretty tame for serial killer. I, I was I was shocked at like the you know the view of his body like when he offed himself. You know. Yeah, that was pretty graphic. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that the, one of the big I don't know about TV, but in film, one of the big distinctions is that blood can never be runny; it has to be dried in order to be PG thirteen. And so I think that like as long as it's dry blood, I think you're kind of good to go. I don't think there's a lot because obviously the rules are all arbitrary and stupid, but um. Right. Uh, but we've come a long way from, uh, you know, people getting their heads smashed in like a watermelon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, I just sent you a meme that my brother sent me, which I am dying at. Um, I just want to DM the Monk Pod podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so the episode ends. Yeah, we got it. April 5. I don't know why I recapped it because you, you, in a very good way, threw me off. But uh, Andre, where can people follow you on Twitter? You could follow me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the Drake Christie, uh, follow the show at Drake Munkin. And if you want to hear Andre and I talk about something else, uh, Andre came, of course, on the Patreon for my Marvel podcast, Marvel Cinematic University, because we're covering the Mission Impossible movies every couple weeks now, and Andre came out for the first one. And I think it's safe to say that we had the longest Henry Zerny conversation in the last 20 years. I think that's safe to say that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, well-deserved. Well, it's way too late. Uh, way, yeah. I forgot what the word is for but we needed yeah, it. Yeah, it's overdue. Yes, very overdue. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, please, you know, sign up and listen to that. I think it's worth it if you... Uh, um, I just fucking love the stuff everyone on Patreon. It's the most fun I've had in... 
I love doing this podcast. This podcast is a lot of fun, but the podcasts we're doing on Patreon are the most fun. I mean, we're like, to be fair, like, I write so many notes for this. Like, I actually at some point want to get this printed out, but it might be a lot of Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this definitely feels much more like work, whereas the Patreon, like, I, you know, usually am, you know, drinking some alcohol. Um, You know, it's uh, just a, and they go on forever. Tonight, for example, we were going to do one that was supposed to be just a 20 minute mini pod. And since uh, Anthony's on vacation, um, and he wasn't there to stop Jerome and I, we went for an hour 11. (laughs) Uh, On what? Mini pod. Uh, we were doing because we basically did the thing where we surveyed all of our patrons to rank the Marvel movies, um, and we we're going like going through like what the and you guys thought you were gonna be able to get through that in twenty minutes. <laughs> we no, we thought we just kind of like recap it and stuff, but like we just starting on tangents and you know. Yeah. I think I'll say this. I think if Anthony was there, we probably would have only taken like thirty five because he would have to you know be a father and yeah. we couldn't stay there forever. But right. uh, anyway, um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening and please review, subscribe, and tune in. We're probably not. Um, it's not not clear if we're gonna be able to be back next Friday. There's some scheduling stuff that might be an issue. But tune in next time. We talk about Mr. Monk gets hypnotized. You will get monkey. You will get monkey.